0: Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by Manscaped.com as ever. I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and uh, we're going to be looking back with a calmer head, um, with less emotion, with less reactionary perspective. Is that even a thing? You know, but basically we're going to look back on the defeat at the hands of Aston Villa with a calm head. We slept on it, had the whole day to think about it. Um, I obviously don't feel great about it. Obviously, I still feel disappointed. I still feel frustrated. But I feel better than I did last night, obviously. Um, time is a healer, they say. Obviously, really, really disappointed at the fact that it is an international break now and we're going to have to wait a couple of weeks for Arsenal to have the opportunity to go out there and put that right and rectify what was a really really I'm not going to say damaging because it's still so early on in the season but a really really frustrating night um you know it's um it's it is it is hard not to overreact to results like that but I like to do a kind of second show the day after because I feel like then we can maybe pick up on points that we probably overlooked last night. We can be a little bit more rational in our arguments and and, and things like that. You know, so here I am next day um, after the dust has settled, shall we say, uh, to look back on that 3-0 defeat at the hands of Aston Villa to try and understand what went wrong from an Arsenal perspective, to try and understand perhaps what needs to change, um, to discuss the Arsenal fans who have had enough and want Mikel Arteta to go, of which there are many, um, rightly or wrongly, there are many out there at the moment that feel like it's time that Mikel Arteta was no longer Arsenal boss. I I just want to make it clear from the very beginning, that's not my view, Um, but I will discuss it because obviously it is something that the fan base are divided on. And when it comes to Arsenal, we, we seem to be... More divided than most as a fan base on a number of issues. Now, is that because I work in the kind of Arsenal world and I see it more, or is it because we actually are more divided than most fan bases? I don't know. I don't know th- the answer to that a hundred percent. But I've put down five bullet points of um, things that I want to discuss, and I want to get you guys' thoughts as well in the live comments. So please. Um, Feel free to um, to you know chip in in the comments section. Let us know what you think, um, and I'm always happy to read out you guys's comments throughout the show, as you know. Um, right, let's begin by talking about Willian. Um, you know, Willian was someone who came in in the summer on a free transfer. I think most Arsenal fans wanted him to come in were happy with him to come in Um, but a lot of Arsenal fans were a little bit worried about the terms of the contract the three-year contract seemed a little bit excessive my point of view on it at the time and so I'm not going to go back on this now was if you want him and that's the only way you're going to get him then you have to do it it was down to Mikel Arteta it was down to Edu whether or not they believed that Willian was worth a three-year contract. They obviously did because they offered it to him. It was a lucrative contract, no doubt about that. It's a contract that I guess only free agents, no, not only free agents, but free agents tend to demand massive contracts because they are free agents. What are you going to do to persuade them that your club is the right one for them? And often it ends up in being either a really big contract where perhaps the terms are more favourable to the player or you end up paying a massive signing on fee. And we know that Arsenal didn't have the money, um, you know, to go out and and go on a spending spree. Yeah, we bought in some players this summer, but we knew that funds were tight. um, And Arsenal felt like Willian was worth the wages that he was asking for and that he'd be an addition to the side. And they went out and got him. My view when we signed Willian again, I'll, I'll just quickly recap, was very much... That this is somebody who should be coming in to add experience to what, when you look beyond Lacazette and Aubameyang, is a fairly inexperienced forward line. Rhys Nelson, inexperienced in comparison to some of the forwards that are playing at the other top Premier League sides. Uh, Bukayo Saka, still a kid. Do you want to have such a heavy reliance on an 18-year-old? Gabriel Martinelli, when he comes back, another youngster who, again, I think we shouldn't be putting too much pressure on. Nicolas Pepe, who is a little bit older, of course, but hasn't really settled into English football the way we'd have liked up until this point. So bringing Willian in seemed like a a good idea, but I would go back to what I just said, and that is that I saw him coming in as somebody who would provide experience and a backup to those forwards, not be a player who plays Every single week. And it seems as though Mikel Arteta is so keen on using uh, Willian at every opportunity, despite the fact that he's not producing anything. He's not producing assists. He's not producing goals. You know, when you look back at his season so far, and we're, what, eight games into the Premier League season, I can only think of one game where I came away from it. And that was the game against Fulham. And I said, Willian had a, a good game. Now, Graham in the comments says, uh, it's too early to write Willian off and he's not to blame for this shit show. I wouldn't have done it though. Yeah, I'm I'm not writing Willian off as a player. I still think that as a squad player, Willian offers you something. He offers you an ability from set pieces. He offers you that experience. I do think there is a good player in Willian. I just can't see why he continues to be selected when he's not producing. Mikel Arteta, what what i found frustrating up until now and, and those of you who watch or listen to this show on a regular basis will know that i've been very much a supporter of Mikel arteta but what i find frustrating is this ruthlessness that he seems to find when it comes to certain players and then it completely disappears when it comes to others willian's not performing why is he in the team pepe doesn't perform he's out of the team straight away and that, that that's where i really struggle that's where I really struggle. I'm going to bring up something on my screen to share with you guys. And it was something that was posted on Twitter um, by Orbinio, who's obviously a stats account for Arsenal. And we talk a lot about Arsenal having to play in the wide areas at the moment. I'll come on to that in a little bit more detail in a bit. But this, what I'm going to show you now, and for those of you listening, I'll explain it to you, um, is, is Willian's pass map from the night. It's Willian's pass map. From the game against Aston Villa. And you will see that it was all sideways, predominantly backwards. And on that right-hand channel mainly. We never saw William playing balls into the penalty area. And I'm going to come on to that in a little bit. So just bear with me if you're wondering where I'm going with this. Whenever we get to a certain point with an Arsenal attack. And I'm talking about on the corner of the penalty area it's about turning back again and going back inside but when we go back inside it's not square we're going deeper and we're going deeper because the options are not there the bodies are not there in the middle of the penalty area to either put the ball into the box or the runners from midfield who you'd hope would join in and and make it easier for you to break somebody down they're not there either and I just thought this was really telling because it tells you a lot about William's game at the moment. Now, again, this is not me on a one-man crusade against Willian, but I'm just trying to highlight the things that the team is lacking. And I think him at the moment, um, and I think he at the moment, sorry, is, is one of the issues. Let's move on to talk about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Arsenal's best player. I think we can all agree on that. Somebody who has the potential to win the golden boot somebody who has been the joint top scorer in the Premier League before and is now finding himself in a situation where we're unable to get the best out of him, we're unable to get the maximum out of him. Earlier on in the campaign, I spoke quite a bit about the fact that him playing from the left actually is not that bad of an idea. And it isn't, or it wasn't, I should say. It wasn't at the time. It felt like it was the way of getting and shoehorning Lacazette into the system but at the same time in doing that we weren't really taking anything away from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in terms of his goal scoring prowess. Now I'm going to show you guys something again on the screen and again for those of you listening I'll, I'll explain it as to why I feel like that and why I have felt like that about about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. If I just share his uh, stats page throughout his career from transfermarket.co.uk and if you just look to the right hand side where I'm hovering the mouse if you can see it you will see that as a left winger here, emerick Aubameyang has played 36 times scoring 22 goals that's a pretty good ratio That's a very good ratio it's more than one in two is it no just below one in two it's a really really good ratio plus the six assists as well so the point is that Pierre Emerick Aubameyang playing from the left-hand side hasn't always been a problem. It is a problem now, though. It's becoming a problem because we're struggling to create opportunities. When we were going through a decent period under Mikel Arteta, we were fashioning chances for Aubameyang, and we were giving Aubameyang that freedom to drift in field because we were creating the overloads on the left, and that was allowing him to drift in field get into positions from which he could score. And we often saw that trademark Thierry Henry opening up of the body, right foot, far corner. So many times we saw it, but it's not working anymore. And as a manager, sometimes you should be proactive. And sometimes I do believe that you should be reactive. Now, Mikel Arteta was proactive in trying to find a system that accommodated a centre forward who's a little bit more willing to drop a little bit deeper create spaces in behind etc hold up the ball do some of the unselfish bits that Lacazette does but now he needs to be reactive because the way we're playing at the moment means that our biggest asset our best player our top goal scorer um, over the last couple of seasons somebody who is arguably one of the best strikers in world football is being cast aside, and we're not getting anything out of him, nothing at all. So that needs addressing. It, it, you know, it, it's it's got. A... When you you come into a side, and you take over a team, one of the most important things you got to do is you have got to get the p- best players on your side. Now, I do believe that Mikel Arteta got Pierre Emerick Aubameyang on his side when he first came in. Hence, partly the reason that Aubameyang agreed to stay with the club. But now Bamiang must be looking and thinking, boss, this isn't working. I'm not getting on the ball enough. I'm not get when I do get on the ball, I'm not in positions from which I can affect the game. Pierre Emerick Obamiang is not Cristiano Ronaldo. He's not Lionel Messi. He's not going to pick up the ball on the touchline, drift inside, dance past two or three bodies, and put the ball in the back of the net. That's not Pierre Emerick Obamiang's game. But you can guarantee more often than not that when an opportunity falls to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in front of goal in the right area, the kind of opportunities that have been falling to Lacazette of late and he's not been taken, Aubameyang is more likely to stick those away. So you've got to find a way of that being Aubameyang on the end of those. Now, even if it means that he jogs around for 70 minutes and doesn't hardly touch the ball, but gets that one opportunity and takes that one opportunity then that is worthwhile doing in my view and Mikel Arteta has to take the shackles off of that attack everything is so specific everything is so regimented and it reminds me a little bit of Unai Emery and I hate to say that because if you're a long-time listener or viewer of this podcast you will know exactly what my thoughts were on Unai Emery and they weren't very positive but it feels like some of the similarities that we saw from Unai Emery are creeping into Mikel Arteta's side as well. This obsession with going down the flanks. An inability to create things through the middle. Now, I know teams defend like generally more carefully in the middle. Obviously, you don't want to get opened up in the middle. But you've got to vary up a little bit, Arsenal. Every time we get forward, it just feels like we're, we're relying on Tierney or Saka or Bellerin on the other side to get into those positions and to pull a ball back across the penalty area. I mean, to sum up Unai Emery's time at Arsenal, Ser Kalasinach was his biggest attacking weapon. He'd use him all the time on the left to bomb forward, get to the byline, cut balls back and sometimes it worked, but it gets predictable and it becomes a problem. And you need to find a way of of being more free, I guess. Just take the shackles off. Just be in a position where Aubameyang can go to centre-forward if he wants. Where Lacazette can pull out to the side if he wants. Where Pepe from the other side when he plays can drift in. Where Willian can drop into the number 10 role. And it's not a problem because you know that behind you, you have set up the defence that back three with the wing backs and the two sentiment fielders, the Partey, the Elneny or the Shaka, whoever you want, you know that screen is there. You know that that basis is there. Therefore, you've got to be able to then, having built that base, take the shackles off, off of those players who you are relying on for creativity. If everything is too regimented, if everything is set in stone, it becomes easy to defend against. If you don't move the ball quickly, you don't move the ball sharply, you're not spontaneous in your movements, spontaneous in your passes, then it becomes boring, it becomes predictable, it becomes easy to defend against and that is exactly what Arsenal have become and that is easy to defend against. Now having said all of that and having criticised Mikel Arteta today and yesterday, what I will say is nobody can take away from Mikel Arteta The fact that he has made us a more solid defensive unit. Last night, it was poor, but it was an anomaly. Going into this weekend, we had the best Premier League defensive record. Our record defensively has improved significantly under Mikel Arteta. And there is no question in my mind that he deserves a lot of credit for that. But now the difficulty comes. This is where we're going to learn a lot about his credentials as a manager. And it's about now finding that balance. I'll say it again. Don't take away anything from the fact that he has made us defensively more sound. And last night was a bit of a one-off. Because prior to the Leicester game, we hadn't lost at home in 2020 in the Premier League. Which is an improvement on where we were under Unai Emery. It's an improvement on where we were at the back end of the Wenger era. So, you know, let's let's give him the credit where he deserves it. But now we're at a point where when it comes to Arsenal as an attacking entity, as an attacking force, we have to start asking questions. We have to start asking questions. I felt like last night, and again, I don't want to dwell on this too much because as as you guys know, I feel like it was a bit of a one-off when you look at our defensive display. We were very vulnerable in the transition. Something that he has spoken about from the day he came in and something he is keen on preventing happening. But we didn't prevent it last night. We didn't prevent it. Um, It was really poor and it got even worse when Thomas Partey went off. I've put here lack of midfield runners. And that's a massive issue for me. We've become so obsessed by... Creating this screen in front of the back line that now our midfielders don't have the ability to join in with attacks to get onto the edge of the penalty area to get into the box even. One of the things that worked really well at Manchester United in the um in the first half was the fact that when we squeezed and when we pressed forward, the whole team did it. The whole team moved up to the halfway line. And therefore, the gaps between the defence, the midfield and the attack were minimal. And therefore, the pressing game is, is, you know, it's easier to implement, first of all, because you're doing it over a smaller space. And it also is more effective because you're suffocating your opponent. You're suffocating the space and preventing them from playing out unless they go with a ball over the top. And then you've got to trust in your defenders to deal with that. But now... You know, we we keep watching these Europa League games. And I said it, look, I didn't expect him to start and I didn't want him to start necessarily last night in the game against Aston Villa. But Joe Willock does bring you something different in the midfield. Whether he's good enough for Arsenal and good enough to play in the first team, good enough to to play in the Premier League is a completely different argument, a completely different debate. But when you clearly need an alternative style midfielder Why would you not at least have him on the substitutes bench? At least have him available to call upon in the event that things aren't going your way. In the event that you're struggling to break an opponent down. In the event that you're chasing. That drives me mad. I don't understand it. You know, yesterday he had Xhaka and Sabayos both on the bench. And Thomas Partey was playing from the beginning. And Mohamed Elneny was playing. That's four midfielders who all essentially like to play from deep. Who none of will run up and join an attack. Who none of have a creative bone in their bodies. But then we still continue to to overlook Willock. Now, I know Xhaka and Sabahis, who were both on the bench, are more senior players than Joe Willock. And maybe Mikel Arteta feels like he can't do that to them. It would be an insult to them to leave one of those out to have Willock on the bench. But it goes back to what I said earlier. We're talking about somebody who has displayed incredible ruthlessness at certain points in the season and with regards to certain players. Take Mesut Ozil, for example. Take Matteo Genduzzi, for example. Yet will not apply those same principles when it comes to others. And that's where I get frustrated. And I'm sure that's where a lot of you get frustrated. You know, uh, it feels like we're kind of going over old ground when we talk about this lack of creativity. Just to summarise, Willian has got to get out of the team for me. Aubameyang is not being used correctly. There are similarities to Unai Emery's side in the way we attack and the way we're heavily reliant on those wide positions and our fullbacks providing an attacking impetus. It's too much of a reliance on them. They're fullbacks at the end of the day. We're not talking about an Arsenal side with Cafu and Roberto Carlos playing at right and left back, for God's sake. There are players like Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who are getting constantly overlooked and haven't actually done anything wrong. Nicolas Pepe, who has never really been given a, a string of games in which to find his rhythm, find his groove. But when he does play, regardless of whether you think he can do more or not, he does impact games, he does score goals and he does provide assists. Again, being completely overlooked for Willian, who at the moment, and I'm not saying Willian hasn't been a good player or won't be a good player for us going forward. It's impossible to say that at this stage, but at this moment, he's not producing, yet he continues to hold down a place in the side. Our midfield is one-dimensional. There are no runners. There There is no skill. There is no creativity. There is no drive. There is nothing And now, if we've lost Thomas Partey for a period of time, it's going to be even worse. And we know that Thomas Partey hasn't travelled to link up with Ghana. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But does that mean that the injury could be a little bit worse than first feared? I don't know. All things for, for Mikel to consider. Mikel has to go back to the drawing board now. He really, really does because with each passing week, the pressure mounts when Arsenal go out on the field and fail to create. Now, again, you know, I know, I know a lot of you are going to start moaning when I mention this guy's name, but I said it at the time when they took that hard stance on Mesut Özil. Every single time Arsenal go out there and fail to create, fail to to change it up, fail to have an alternative option to turn to turn to. That thing continues. That story lingers in the background, increasing the pressure. On Mikel Arteta. Nobody else. Not the club. Mikel Arteta. And there will be fans who. At one point were saying. Oh get rid of. Get rid of Ozil. What do we want him for? He doesn't do it anyway. Get rid of him. He's useless etc. There will be fans who were of that viewpoint. And of that stance. I already know some. Who will now. Or with each passing week. Slightly change their stance. And start. Trying to then understand why despite the fact that we're so bad in that department are we still leaving out an alternative option freezing him out paying him 350 grand a week to do nothing when actually I'm not saying he's a long-term solution I'm not even saying 100% that he can be a solution but there's a chance he could be and we've seen it for months that the, the solutions we currently have at our disposal are not going to improve in that sense and it's a problem right um don't forget if you haven't already smash the like button on the video i can see there's over a hundred of you watching us at the moment and that's incredible because i know old boris johnson uh was giving his uh coronavirus update but after i heard the first five minutes um which was the usual it's not a political show, let's not discuss that, but you know what I mean. Um, once I heard that bit, I uh, just uh, turned it off and jumped on here. So a big hello to everyone. If you're joining us late, if you've just been watching that, welcome. Um, and welcome, of course, to those of you who are listening to this back on the audio or watching it back on the replay. Uh, big thank you, I should have said it at the start as well, to those of you who joined me on the fans phoning uh, yesterday and for those of you who joined us in the chat yesterday. It was a pleasure and a delight talking to lots of you and getting your thoughts as well. Right, um, let's see what you guys are saying in the comments. Um, just having a look. At, there's quite. I'm I'm behind on the comments to, compared to you guys. There's a lot about William. I'm gonna. I feel like I've spoken about Willian to death. So um, let's move on uh, from that. Da 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 da. Matt Gray, I love this optimistic way of looking at this. Look how well Liverpool have done since Villa beat them. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd love to think that that's some kind of omen, man. But I can't see it. I can't see it. Um, skipping through the Willian chat. Not because I don't... I'm reading all your comments, but we've spoken about it to death. Um, Alex says, Arteta has continuously got the front free wrong. Aubameyang needs to start central, Pepe on the right and the left should be competed for until Martinelli is back. I think you're right. Um, and I think I agree with that. I think I want to see Nicolas Pepe given a run of games now from the right. I want to see Aubameyang given a run of games now through the middle. And whether it be Saka on the left, Rhys Nelson on the left, I'm not that fussed. I just want to see whoever's performing, whoever is in form. And most importantly, I want to see Arsenal braver. Um, particularly in home games against sides that we should be beating. And look, if we get done on the transition now and again, we'll be frustrated, of course. But I think that would be more acceptable and more accepted by the fans than what we're seeing at the moment, which is a team with absolutely zero creative ability because we've become obsessed with defending. We've become obsessed with defending. And and as I was saying I was talking on the 90 min show earlier if you haven't watched this week's gas tank check it out it's out now. Um that although it was frustrating that we weren't creating when we were defending effectively you kind of got to the point or come to a place where you went okay look it's not ideal but we 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 we're, we're better in one area and now we clearly know what we need to do in the other area or what we need to work on at least and hopefully we can get to that point of balance but yesterday <laughs> neither of it uh, neither side of our team not the back not the front was working effectively or was doing what it needed to do so yeah um i think yeah that's part of the frustration obviously Glenn Kitely says, we currently have so many problems. Players not performing, injuries, players not being picked, not scoring enough goals, lack of balance. Where do we even start? Yeah, it does feel like we've got a lot of problems and it does feel like some of those problems have probably been glossed over a little bit um, given that we won the FA Cup, given that you know we've, we've shown some improved performances. We won at Old Trafford last week, etc. I do think there are more than... One or there is more than one problem. I do think there are multiple issues at the Emirates Stadium right now. If you're asking me which one is the primary issue, for me, it's finding that creativity. Because defensively, as I said earlier on in the programme, and if you're just joining us late, welcome. Um, it You can't take away from Mikel Arteta the fact that he has improved us defensively. I, I really do think that. Guns and yellow ribbons. Big hello to Fergus and the guys over there. Check them out. Um, I think it's Wednesday nights. Correct me if I'm wrong in the chat, Fergus, uh, that those guys that record their podcast So do check it out. Um, He says Willock has a shout for a PL place now. Yeah, look, again, I'll reiterate what I said. I'm not so sold on Willock that I would sit here and say he has to start week in, week out, but he's got to be an option. And when he's not even on the bench, I think serious questions have to be asked. I really, really do. And how? What, what kind of culture does that create? You know, we're talking about a manager who constantly bangs on about culture and about this environment where people develop and people push and people get what they deserve. Well, if you only give him opportunities in the Europa League, that's all he can do. And in those opportunities, he's taken those opportunities, he's delivered. And so at the very least, he's got to be on the substitutes bench, I think. Um Anton says Harry I've got one question to you how is it possible for Arteta to say that Saliba is not ready for Arsenal because he's inexperienced when Arteta joined him when Arteta himself joined us without a single day experience I, I'm not as irate about the um the Saliba situation as some people are and that's for uh, one key reason and that is I haven't seen enough of him you know, I I didn't watch him play in League, and we haven't seen him play for Arsenal apart from the odd friendly. So how can we be so sure that he is right? We can't, and so I feel like on this one, when it comes to Saliba, as frustrating as it is that we've spent twenty seven million pound on a defender who we now don't think, despite having a season on loan, is ready to even be in our squad registered to play. Yeah, I get that. Like that that is frustrating. It is irritating. But I can't be one of those people who's sitting there going, he's got to play. I just, you know, defensively, again, I'll go back to the point. Arsenal have been better this season and have been better under Mikel Arteta for the most part. And so I can't really question his decisions when it comes to the centre-backs. I've got to be honest with that. I still think that, you know, holding Gabriel, uh, Mustafi, David Luiz, Pablo Marie, when he comes back, will be ahead of Saliba. And that's why they've made the decision to leave him out. And, and we don't really know what he's training like. We don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. It is frustrating. And I get why why you feel like that. And I get why a lot of people feel like that. I'm just not as big on the whole Saliba injustice thing when actually, if I, may, if I was to take that stance, it would be based on very little and it would be based on guesswork rather than having actually watched him play, having actually assessed his performances. Um, Suhel says, we are now panicking on the pitch because the players know they're struggling to create chances. Yeah, that, that confidence plays a massive part in it. But then when, when it's not working, you need to find an alternative. You need to change it up. You need to shake it up. I keep talking about Mikel Arteta letting off the shackles. He's got to do that now. He really has to. Uh, C says that uh, Laka's best moments for Arsenal is being Ober's hype man. Love that. <laughs> um, what else have we got? Uh, Graham Sutherland agrees on my point where I said it's starting to look a little bit like Unai Emery football now. Rashid said Emery was better. I'm not sure about that. Um, look, Emery. Emery obviously is a more experienced manager. Emery obviously probably is more equipped to deal with situations like this when form takes a dip. And he's probably better equipped in terms of being able to draw on previous experiences to to help him get through certain situations. But I was bored of watching Arsenal under Unai Emery. In fact, towards the end in particular, I was as bored as I was as I am now, if not more. Um, So, yeah, look, you know, I was bored of Emery. I'm bored of Arteta's football now as well but I don't see a great deal of difference, I've got to be honest. Uh, Matthew D'Souza raises an interesting point. Did Oba play better when Pepe and Ceballos were in the team a of the cup final? Agreed. Yeah, I do think that. I really do. Um, I think Ceballos has to be in the team. I thought that the whole point of signing Thomas Partey was to allow somebody like Ceballos to be a little bit more influential on the ball because he gives you that extra steal, that mobility that Xhaka doesn't, Elneny played really well at Old Trafford, so again as I said on last night's show, I'm not really going to go in too hard on the fact that Elneny played again last night, because as I said, I'd have made some changes, I said it in the preview show, but given the result we just picked up at Old Trafford, I don't think anybody could have really been up in arms about Mikel deciding to go with the side that had just won at Old Trafford for the first time in what, 14 years? Graham uh, says we lost to Leicester so it's not a one-off we did lose to Leicester but the nature of the defeat was very very different we had all of the ball against Leicester we got done with a sucker punch goal late on we had a goal disallowed at 0-0 that should have stood etc etc whereas Aston Villa just played us off the park so that's why I I felt it was different um, and I do see this as a little bit of a one off the way we capitulated, the way we conceded free goals at home, got done on transitions um, regularly, whereas against Leicester, it was that one transition uh, that we paid for. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, just scrolling through your comments, just running out of time. That's why I'm kind of scrolling through a little bit faster than normal. Uh, let's see what we've got here. Um, Some of you disagreeing with me um, that uh, we're better defensively and saying that it's because we're just putting more men behind the ball. Yeah, um, you could argue that, but that's part of being better defensively, isn't it? um, Having a system that allows you to get bodies in the right places is part of being a better defensive unit. That's not by coincidence, that's by instruction. Therefore, he has improved us defensively. Emery is top of La Liga etc etc come on Villarreal are not going to win La Liga and and they're at the top of La Liga at the moment because this is the worst Real Madrid and the worst Barcelona side we've seen for ages and even Atletico Madrid ain't firing on all cylinders at the moment I uh, hope he doesn't win La Liga (laughs) because that would be a disaster for me um, as somebody who's criticised him time and time again But yeah, I mean, look, lots of different opinions, lots of different views, lots to mull over um, during the international break. You know, I said that it was annoying that we've got like two weeks now before we get the opportunity to put this right. But maybe it's a good thing. Maybe we can all go away, calm down, uh, take stock of where we actually are. Maybe it's a good thing um, for Mikel Arteta to be able to go away and take stock as well on what is going on. Um, Come out of the limelight a bit, have a good think have a little bit of a shake-up with regards to the creative patterns, the, the attacking patterns with which we're trying to play and, and whether or not it is time to to make changes with regards to the personnel and whether it's time to move Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang back into the middle of our front line. Important to remember as well that we're, we're discussing this and we are discussing it. That's what we do on this channel. We don't shout... We don't scream, we respect each other's opinions. Yeah, we get a little bit emotionally charged, but that's because we're Arsenal fans. But what I love about this channel and I love about the community that we've built here is that everybody respects one another's view, everybody can discuss things sensibly, and I like to think that I try at least to keep a a calm head on most things and most of the time, although... As a fan, as someone who's loved the club all my life, it is difficult at times. And sometimes I do lose it a little bit. I probably did a little bit at the beginning of last night's show. But that's the passion of it all. That's why we love football so much. But just a couple of final points. Let's remember that this is Mikel Arteta's first job. There were always going to be bumps in the road. I said that last night. I've been saying that all season. I've been saying that since last season. There's always going to be bumps in the road as Arsenal look to get there champion or regain their Champions League status we will hit brick walls we will sometimes take a step forward and then take two steps back and Mikel Arteta is learning he's learning on the job we have to hope that he learns quick enough for us to achieve our goals but if he doesn't and the mistakes do continue then you've got to put it on the board the board of this football club the owners of this football club who entrusted someone with very little experience to take this job now I've been in a position at work where I've recruited people before and I've taken gambles on people that didn't really have as much experience but I liked what they were saying and I liked their view and I liked their their logic and I liked the way they were going about things in their attitude. And so that can go a long way and the club may have kind of fallen into that trap a little bit with Mikel Arteta but ultimately if that person then doesn't deliver you're you're responsible for that having taken that gamble. So let look, let's hope he can learn. Let's hope he can buck up his ideas let's hope he can make the changes um the changes that are necessary in order to see us back where we need to be um and yeah let's uh let's hope that after the international break things take a turn in the right direction uh, i just want to respond to this comment from Gunnar deja vu who says that is not an excuse if he wasn't ready he should have shouldn't have taken the job period that's nonsense mate absolute nonsense Um, And I respectfully, I should add, I completely disagree with what you're saying there. If somebody knocked on my door tomorrow and said, we want you to be the Arsenal manager, I would take the job because it's my dream job. It's what what I would love to do. But I'm not ready for it. But it doesn't mean I'm going to turn it down. If you, you know, you don't turn down opportunities if you're ambitious in life, in anything. You know, I, I pull on my own experiences. I had an opportunity about a year and a half ago to leave a job that I didn't like but paid the bills to take a gamble and take a risk and go and do something that I really love and that I'm now a hundred times happier in doing maybe I wasn't ready for it maybe on paper I wasn't ready for it but the commitment got me to a position where I can do this as a job it's still not where I want to be my ambitions are much higher my goals will never stop changing and adapting, but the point is that you will try, you 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 have to take risks at some point, and sometimes even if you're not ready for something, well, you get thrown in a deep end, and you've got to learn how to swim, I don't blame Mikel Arteta for taking a job that he maybe wasn't ready for, I blame the people that gave him the job if it goes wrong, and that's how it should be, that's how it should be, um, Anton also says, I'm not a fan of Arteta, but if I was in his shoes, I would have taken the job without any hesitation. That's kind of the point. Look, I get where you're coming from. I kind of deja vu. I really do. And it is frustrating when you watch somebody who's not quite at a level doing a job and you're sitting there thinking, actually, was this the right thing? But at the end of the day, I'll reiterate my point. If you've got ambitions in life and an opportunity comes along, you will take it regardless of whether you're ready or not. And you will try and make the best out of it. And sometimes it will work and sometimes it won't. But look, international break coming up. We're going to continue to bring you content Uh, throughout the international break we're going to switch it up a little bit we're going to be bringing you some uh, player review features where we'll be discussing certain players on certain shows and looking at them in deep kind of deep dive style programs Um, so really looking forward to bringing you guys some of that as well Um, love to have another fans phone in love to get you guys contributing in the comments as well Um, patrons I'll be sending you a message because I want to get you guys on our patrons podcast too Uh, so lots coming over the next couple of weeks and hopefully uh, we can coast through the international break Um, as an Arsenal community and uh, provide each other with the therapy needed to get through a disappointing defeat like that one at the Emirates Stadium on Sunday night don't forget if you haven't already smash the like button if you haven't subscribed what are you doing subscribe to the channel um, and we'll be back very very soon with more so until next time take care of yourselves and stay safe all the best cheers